if you've been part of the church in recent times that we've been running uh, a series that encourages to move together, uh, move forward together, and uh, we concluded that last week. Also, I've been running a, a parallel service at Mansfield about growth, and that concluded also last Sunday. So thanks for your engagement for that and feedback and people finding that it's been a really good challenge to them. Uh, it really is, as Christine said, about us all continuing to work together. And uh, we want to be all that God's called us to be in this time. And so we come to June, and uh, June's a little different. As you've heard, we've got two great visiting speakers coming this month. And from time to time, we try and just plot the course of exposing the church to different gifts that will actually help the church journey. And David Hind uh, is with us next week, and I know you'll be blessed by David. He and Susan are leading a great church right in the heart of Leicester, and uh, they've got a real passion for community. And that will spill out next week. And I know that you're going to be blessed. So I encourage you to be there. And then our national leader on the 23rd of June, which will be awesome. Uh, we look forward to John. And uh, this morning, we, uh, we occasionally um, in Arena do something what we call soapbox. We've got some great young people, young generation leaders emerging in the church. We don't just define their life by communication. But actually, uh, numbers of them are emerging with a real good communication gift. And if you remember, some time ago we ran this, and this morning, as you open your heart to the Word of God, we've got two preachers. I'm going to introduce them both. We've got one great young lady and one great young man. And they're going to share for 10, 12 minutes, and if it goes beyond that, I'll be coughing and spluttering, and they'll know that it's time to finish. Um, but the reality is, I want you to open your heart to the Word this morning. We've asked them just to open their heart to God, and just to bring something that's on their heart that will bless you. And we believe that God speaks through His Word, don't we? And that we're continually changed by his word. So it's ladies first. Let's give a big warm welcome to Helen Turner. Thank you. Hello. I'm not really sure if me and Chris are classed as young people now. We're getting on a bit, but... So I'm going to get straight into my message this morning because I've only got 10 minutes. Um, so my message is entitled, Are You Making Church Your Home? God loves the church, doesn't he? He really loves the church. In fact, in Ephesians, it compares God's love for the church to a husband's love for his wife. And yesterday we had the privilege of being at Nat and Dave's wedding. And it was so beautiful to see the love that they had for one another. It was amazing. And to compare that to God's love for the church, it's just incredible how God loves the church. And um, God wants us to love the church as well. He wants us to not only love it, but to take ownership of it as well. And in Psalm 92, verse 13, it says, Planted in the house of the Lord, they will come in the... They will flo- Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. Our, yeah, reading it wrong. Um, so God wants us to be planted in a church and to take ownership of it. And sometimes I think we think it's down to the pastors to have all the responsibility and all the ownership. And when I first came to church, I thought that was, that was what it was. I could come on a Sunday. I didn't have any responsibilities, any ownership of it. And that was all down to the pastors. But I soon learned that it's not just down to Phil and Christian, that we all have to take an ownership of the church. So what does it mean for us? What does it mean to make church our home? I've got three points, three ways in what we need to do to make church our home. The first one is to welcome people. Okay, in your home where you live, 
Um, if someone new comes around to your house, maybe you don't know them, you make them feel welcome in your home, don't they? It's your responsibility to do that. There's been a few times when um, my husband Josh has invited his friends over for dinner and they've brought their wives with them who I don't know. I've not met them before. But it's my responsibility to make them feel welcome in my house. If I just ignored them all night and didn't talk to them, then they'd probably never come around again because they wouldn't feel comfortable. And we need to do the same in church. We need, it's our responsibility to make people feel welcome, to make them feel at home in this place. And we often think, oh, someone else will do it. But if everyone thought like that, no one would ever be talked to or feel welcome and they'd never end up coming back again. So it's our responsibility. So are we making church our home in this area? Um, the second point is to serve are we in a serving team? In our homes where we live, we all have things that we have to do, don't we? We all have jobs that we have to do. Even if you're a child, you have your chores and jobs that you have to do. And we use our gifts to make the home work. When me and Josh brought a house last year, I soon learned that Josh didn't have the gift for cleaning or cooking. <laughs> Thankfully, I did. But... Josh is gifted in other areas. He can sort out mortgages, car insurance, all that kind of stuff, which I can't do. So we use our gifts to make the home work. And we need to do the same in church. God's given us all a gift, and that's to use in church. We all need to get in a serving team, be involved, and to serve. If we don't, the church won't work. If nobody serves, the church won't work. If you made a decision that in your home, you're not going to do anything anymore, you're not going to cook, you're not going to clean, you're not going to pay your bills, if you do that, the home won't work. You'll probably have your house taken off you. And in church, if we don't serve, the church won't be able to function. The church won't be able to do its purpose, what God has put it here for, to reach out to people. So it's important that we are serving. And I'm not just saying it from a point of view of church needs you to serve. You need you to serve, okay? It's such a great thing to be on a serving team. I love it so much. I'm on four teams. I just love it. It's great. It is so great just being part of a team of people who are passionate about the same things you are. It's just amazing. And my friend Emma, I hope she doesn't mind say, me saying this, but um, she's just joined the kids' church team. And um, she had her first Sunday in kids' church a few weeks ago. And she came to me afterwards and went, I absolutely love that. I can't believe that I've not joined a team before now. It's just such a privilege to be part of a team serving. So while we make church our home in this area, my point number three, are we giving the big subject of money that no one likes talking about? Um, if you've got your Bibles, can you turn to Malachi 3, verse 10? If not, it's going to come up on the screens. It says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. So what does that mean? Bring the whole tithe to the storehouse. The storehouse is the church that you're planted in. The tithe is 10% of your income. So not 5%, not a little bit of spare change you've got left over at the end of the month, 10%. And it even goes on to say in that scripture that 
if we don't do this, we're actually robbing God. We're robbing God of what he's, what he's due. So are we making church our home in this area? Are we giving our 10% tithes? At our homes where we live, we have bills to pay, don't we? We have mortgages, gas, electric, all these kind of bills. And we have to take priority in paying those. If we don't, we won't, we'll, we won't, if we don't pay our mortgage, we'll have the house taken off us. We have to pay these bills. We have to do it before we go to the cinema or go out for meals. We have to put this money aside. And that should be the same with our tithes. It should take priority. It should be the first thing that we give when we get paid because it's important to God. Without people tithing, the church, again, it can't function. Without people giving, the church can't work. That's why it's so important to God. And God says that we need to do this because he loves the church. And he knows that without people giving, the church can't function. The church can't reach out to people in the community because it's got no money to do it. It's so important to God. And again, it's not just about the church needing you to give. It's, it's for you as well. In the scripture, it goes on to say, when you do this, I will pour out my blessing and there will not even be enough room for it. When you give, God blesses it. Before I used to tithe, I used to always struggle for money. There always used to be something that I couldn't pay for. And I used to think I could never tithe because I can't afford things now. And from the day I made the decision that I would give my tithes every month, God has never let me go without. I've never struggled. He's always provided for me in everything that I need. And because God just blesses it. When you start giving, God just blesses you for it. So are we making church our home in these three areas? I just want to say that I didn't, Christian and Phil didn't tell me to preach this message this morning. They didn't say to me, we need to get people serving and giving, so preach on this. Phil said to me, preach on what's on your heart. So I spent a lot of time praying and seeking God and saying, what do you want me to bring this morning? And I really feel that this is the message he gave me. So this is the message that God wants you to hear this morning. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And I'm not saying it as well from a point of view as... um, You need to do this because I said so. I'm saying it from a point of view. I'm doing these things. And it's amazing what God does when you do these things. I'm encouraging you to do it because I know what God will do when you do these things. It's amazing. So my encouragement to you is, if you're not on a serving team, go and see Christine at the end of the service. If you're not sure what your gifts are, I'm sure she'll help you get in a team that you're going to flourish in. If you're not tithing, go and see Anne and sort out your tithing every month and your giving. And God will do great things when you make those decisions to make church your home. Thank you. Great, Alan. Amen. We received the word of the Lord this morning. Make church your home. And our second speaker, right on the back of that, is... uh, Someone that plays the drums, and he played the drums this morning. Uh, so I talked to him afterwards, not me. And, uh, but uh, we love, we, we love uh, the fact that people bring their gifts in all sorts of areas. Of course, Chris and Leone were uh, the architects of the big idea over the last two years as well and uh, inspired us to bring together a fantastic team that served uh, in a special community outreach during the May bank holiday. So we thank God for all that he's doing. And uh, again, let's give a great welcome this morning to Chris Mangan. Thank you.
Morning, church. Okay, just great to be able to um, share my heart with you this morning, what I feel God has put on my heart. Um, Just such a privilege. And uh, the title of my uh, message this morning is a question. And I want to just ask that question straight away so that you can mull it over and then I'll get to the bones of that a little bit later, the meat of that a little bit later. And the question is this, are you a round peg in a square hole or a square peg in a round hole? I'll explain later. Um, I remember quite a while ago I spoke in the youth group Universal and I challenged the young guys with the theme of what are you doing that you think you're getting away with? Okay, and I remember when I was at school, I went through this phase of being obsessed with lighting fires. Now, please don't judge me. It wasn't in an arsonistic kind of a way. It was in an experimental, intrigued kind of a way. Now, uh, just remember that was when I was at school. Now, you may have noticed a faint smell of bonfire over the last three weeks. And uh, not naming any names, uh, Pete Lloyd and Jared Holmes. Um, Unfortunately, they've not grown out of that phase and actually had the fire brigade called to their garden just a couple of weekends ago from lighting fires. So luckily, I I grew out of that phase. But anyway, okay, uh, I think there's, there's a reason behind that anyway. I think that it's inbuilt into all males, this obsession with fire. And the reason for that is it comes from the hunter-gatherer caveman days, right? Because the hunter-gatherer, he had to go out and hunt the food, and then he was responsible for starting the fire to cook the food, and then handed the food over to woman to then cook the food. So, it is inbuilt into us, this obsession. Okay, anyway, that's that bit. And basically... We went through this phase, and I just remember on this one occasion, me and uh, a few of my mates, uh, we all decided that we were going to go to Wilco's and all go in one by one and buy a multi-pack of matches, right? And this was like 30 boxes in one pack at the time. They don't let you do that anymore very wisely. And uh, we just went over to a farmer's field that was nearby where we lived at the time, And uh, we were just kind of lighting little small fires and then putting them out and sort of flicking matches around, as you do. And uh, I just remember we'd had enough and we were just about to leave. And my mate just flicked one last match and it caught fire very quickly. And unfortunately, it went underneath a barbed wire fence. And uh, frantically, we all tried to put this fire out and it just got out of control. And uh, before we knew it, pretty much the farmer's field was going up in flames. And I just remember, we thought, there's nothing we can do, so let's just get out of here quickly. And uh, I still remember it today. As we walked away, I had this overwhelming feeling, and then I said it as well, I can't believe we've just got away with that. We've just got away with burning a farmer's field down. I can't believe we could have been in so much trouble. And as we were then walking home, some of my friends went off in one direction, and there was just two of us left. And then we were about to go our separate ways And a police car pulled up alongside us, wound the window down and said, Lads, have you seen any youths lighting fires around here? And uh, my mate, trying to be clever, said, Yeah, yeah, they're they're over there. They've gone that way. And they just went, Get in the car. (laughs) What we didn't realize was that we were head to foot covered in black. 
from these uh, fires. So it went from thinking I'd got away with something to very quickly not getting away with it. And luckily for us, the farmer didn't press charges, but I certainly paid the price. I got grounded for a month, and uh, I got a good hiding when the police dropped me off at home as well. So, you know, it was something that I thought I'd got away with, and I didn't get away with it. And you know what? The, you know, we all make choices and decisions in our lives, and we all do things that often we think that we can get away with it, because it might not have an initial consequence. It might not affect people immediately around us. But I'm a strong believer that the choices and the decisions that we make affect our lives and affect our future. And particularly as a Christian, I believe that the choices and decisions that we make affect our destiny, affect our plan, and affect our path in God because of the choices and the decisions that we choose to make. And, um, you know, we can all think of times where we've made decisions and we've done things that we might think that we might get away with. And, you know, the opposite of that is, is great, that when we make right choices, when we make right decisions, when we choose not to skirt with things that we think we might be able to get away with, you know, I believe that we get closer to where, we feel, where God wants us to be. And we get closer to God's destiny and plan and perfect path for our lives. And, uh, you know, there's, all the, there's the kind of little subtle things that we might do that will affect our lives. And these are things that, you know, if we uh, choose to do them, they might have started as, as something that kind of felt a little bit wrong to start with. But then we've carried on doing them. And before we know it, they become a habit. Before we know it, they just become normal in our lives. And it's things like this. You know, choosing to have a bad attitude. Choosing to not treat somebody nicely or not to speak, not to, speak to somebody in a nice way. And then there's things like, you know, being envious, um, being jealous of people. That's a choice. That's a decision that we make. Uh, the things that we allow to come into our minds, the images that we allow ourselves to have that go in our minds and then into our spirits, that's a choice, that's a decision. Helen, a couple of weeks ago, mentioned about allowing our circumstances and our feelings to get in the way of our giving, of our generosity, of our tithing. That's all choices and decisions that we make. And you know what? That often... I've got frustrated and I've known other Christians that have got frustrated when they've not been where they think they should be in God. They might think that they should be further along down the path, further along in their destiny. But I really believe that the choices and decisions that we make can hold us back from where God wants us to be. Because at the end of the day, God is not a mug, okay? We have got, by God's grace, we've all got a plan, a purpose and a destiny in Him. And maybe his perfect timing for his plan might have been two years ago. But because of the choices and decisions that we've made, because of the things that we've done that we thought we might be able to get away with in life, that has caused us to be stagnant. And really, by the grace of God, I believe that we'll all get there, but the perfect timing might have been back here. Okay? And often I hear Christians moan, and I've done it myself, that I'm frustrated that I'm not at a certain place. And that might have been through the choices and decisions that I've made. And like I say, if we make right choices and right decisions, we're going to be in a better position to be where God wants us to be. 
this is where I'm going to bring the pegs into it. I believe that before we become a Christian, okay, we're like a round peg in a round hole or a square peg in a square hole because we just sort of slot really nicely into the world around us. There's no real obstacle getting in the way. We could happily just sit in the world around us, not being effective, not making a stand, not making any difference in the world around us. And it's quite a fluid motion of that peg being in that hole. And then when we become a Christian, I believe that we start to come away from that hole. And we start to change shape, and we start to change our form, and we stand out when we become a Christian. Whether we like it or not, we stand out when we become a Christian. And the Bible is full of verses that has a reason why we stand out when we become a Christian, some of which I'll get to a little bit later on. And as we start to come away from the world, okay, there's two things about that. The first thing is this, that the world is obsessed with standing out on the one hand. If you take superhero films, action films, they're like the highest grossing films at the box office, right? Because the world loves to see a hero saving the day. The world loves to see somebody standing out, making a difference and changing the world around them. But then in reality, more often than not, the world kind of just goes with the flow. They kind of just follow what everybody else is doing and doesn't make a stand and isn't effective. But when we become a Christian, often we want to shout it out from the rooftops. We want to stand out, hopefully not in a freaky or a weird way, but we want everybody to know that we've become a Christian and that we've found God and that we're standing out for him. But this is where I believe a lot of Christians go, and I've come across this myself, and I've been guilty of it myself as well, that as time goes by as a Christian, over a period of time, we might make wrong choices and wrong decisions, and we might um, think that we can get away with certain things in our lives. And what I feel happens is our edges start to get worn away. Our effectiveness starts to get worn away. And before we know it, we're in a position where we can easily slot back into the world around us. And what happens is that circle peg, that round peg, starts to change its form, starts to change its shape, and it starts to go back into that square hole. And then what happens is this, that because we've slotted into the world around us, when the world starts to hammer us, when the world starts to batter us and smash us, we're not in a position where we can stand up against that. And we start to get wedged And we start to get stuck in that world around us. And even as Christians, even as people who go to church, we we become so ineffective that we're not making any difference. We're not standing out for God and we're just slotting back in, getting wedged into the world around us because of choices and decisions that we make. This is where I think God wants us to be. He wants us to be square pegs in round holes. If you take a square peg and you try and hammer it into a round hole, no matter how much you smash it, no matter how much you hammer it, it is not going into that circular hole, okay? Unless it is drastically and dramatically changed, and that might involve getting it cut up, sawn, uh, sanded down. It is not going to go in that hole no matter how much you batter it down. And I believe God wants us to be like that. He wants us to be stood out, so firm, have the guts to stand out, making right decisions, right choices, 
that we do not go back into the world around us. And you know, there's been times where, I, like I said earlier, that I've been guilty of slipping back into the world around me because I'm not trying to say that it's not easy. It is very easy to slot back into the world around us with the choices and decisions that we make, okay? And by God's grace, uh, there's been times where I've felt as though I'm slipping back into that hole, but God has pulled me back out again. I might have been wedged, I might have been stuck, but God has pulled me back out of that hole time and time again, which is absolutely amazing. But I feel this, right, that the Bible says things like this, that we should not be conformed to the world around us, that we are aliens in this land, that we are in this world, but we are not of this world. We are Christ's representatives. We're his ambassadors in this world around us. So we should be striving to be standing up to that. And uh, if you've got your Bibles, this is just absolutely brilliant. This verse, 1 Peter 2, 9 to 12. But you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he has made for you, from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. Friends, this world is not your home. So don't make yourselves cozy in it. Don't get stuck in that hole as a circular peg, as a round peg. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Live an exemplary life. Make right choices. Make right decisions. Don't try and get away with things amongst the natives so that your actions will refute their prejudices. Then, this is amazing, they'll be won over to God's side and be there to join in the celebration when he arrives. Does that sound like God wants us to be round pegs in square holes? I don't think so. God wants us to be standing out for him. Because the amazing thing is, when we make right choices and right decisions, the world will mock us. The world will laugh at us. Okay? But what does the Bible say? Eventually, the world will take notice of that. And the world will want what we've got, and they will turn themselves over to God as we continue to strive to live holy lives, making right choices and right decisions. And just as Helen has said this morning that she's felt that this is something really on her heart, this is something that's really been on my heart. And I really have. I'm not trying to come and preach at you from somebody who's not trying to live this stuff. I really am trying to make right choices and decisions in my life. And I've already seen the benefit and the impact of that. You know, the great thing about what that verse says is that it doesn't say that we need to be out there smashing people with Bibles. We need to be out there, you know, hellfire and brimstone. We, you know, it doesn't even say that we need to be on the stage preaching. But it says that as we strive to live a holy life, as we strive to make right choices, right decisions, that is what is going to make people turn themselves over to God. So my challenge is this this morning. Are you a round peg in a square hole or are you a square peg in a round hole this morning? Thank you.